Hello and welcome to Simplified, a podcast where we talk all things restaurant industry and break down what's happening with trends and events and try to simplify the complex. Today, I am really excited to be joined by a hospitality consultant, Mark Laval. Mark has the experience of opening over 80 brick and mortar operations in restaurant, retail, hospitality industry. He's also owned and ran his own restaurant. He has consulted on nightclubs, on retail operations, on a wide variety of different aspects of the hospitality industry. And today we dive into what it really takes to go for from an owner's perspective, from one to two, even to three locations for somebody who's starting, and maybe what it looks like to instill hospitality and then even walk away as a, as a consultant and have the confidence that what you've instilled and what you've set in motion will continue and be successful. Let's dive in, Mark. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really really appreciate it. Um, and Matt, you know, it's it's funny. You know, hospitality. It, it, it's funny the, the term "walk away." Right? It's like, oh my God, is this going to work? Um, and as a consultant, that's one of the things you have to do is you have to have that ability to know <clears throat> you've given everything you can. Whether it succeeds or it doesn't, you have to walk away and, and let it be because that's why you're there as a temporary um, assistance. Um, <clears throat> You know, recently, since we last spoke, and I started working, um, collaborating with someone I worked with a long time ago, um, and uh, we're going to be focusing more on larger scale developments, almost like new um, uh, malls where we'd be handling all the food and beverage programming, whether it's the food courts and the, any additional programming that can go on without the in the establishment. And you know, one of the things we both agreed on is is we love all aspects of our business. But the day to day is one of the things that we are as we get older, we're learning it's okay to walk away from and not getting that phone call about the drain that's clogged or a piece of equipment that's broken and things along those lines. So Absolutely. we'll dive in now and how we make that happen, right? Because the end of the day is what is the success um, in regards to that? And at the end of the day, listen, I, I, I've said before, hospitality is considered an industry and I've always considered it for a very long time, even subconsciously a way of life. I mean, as a kid, as growing up in an Italian household, every holiday season was filled with 80 plus people bringing in food. Everyone did their thing, socialized. It became, and, and you realize that's hospitality, right? And you're entertaining. And whether you're inviting someone to your home or you're going to someone's house, you're always trying to figure out what should I bring? What can I do to make this experience better for the people that are coming and, or the people that I'm going to see. Um, so, you know, when we look at the hospitality growth, or you said scaling, yeah. you know, obviously you've got to start with the concept, right? And what is that concept? And is it thought through? You know, so if I'm ever hired, I, you know, I always speak to the owner and, and have them tell me their vision, expectations, beliefs. And you need to make sure that they're rooted in success because sometimes everything in our, I, I can guarantee you, everything in our head is a lot better than ends up on paper or than in, in functioning. No matter how many times I've done this, you try to walk through every scenario the best you can. And through experience, you obviously learn a lot of the ins and outs, but nothing is ever as it is the second that you open the doors to the public. The, the, right. the customers can be different. Your staffing is always different. The base will be there, but there's always gonna be something you can expect, um, but hopefully you can quickly adapt to. Um, so once that you understand what an owner wants, you kindly guide them <clears throat> if you see that there's any sort of voids or things that might get easily broken, um, just to make sure you want them to be successful. And then, <clears throat> You implement those ideas and philosophies from the owner 
um, and then ultimately create the operational package, which consists of working with them from the design and the development. So you're overseeing the planning. Um, is the layout right? Is the ebb and the flow where the staff's going to be, the customer's going to be? I mean, choke points. Um, how, if there is food involved, what's the kitchen look like? What's the accessibility from the in and out from the kitchen to obviously to the front of house? Is there close enough a space? Are we talking like second floor? You're taking an elevator. Like, how's that food going to translate once it goes through that kind of transition? And ultimately, um, just making sure that the design development is right. And then at that point, you'll be putting together um, points of service, you know, the operational do's and don'ts of what um, human resources would look like and ultimately what the beliefs of the space would be. And you try to hire right. You try to hire a staff starting with, again, if it's food-based, you get an executive chef and you're going to have a general manager or a restaurant director. And they have to be, they have to, even with their experience, they have to buy into what's being sold, right? If they're going to come in and just be like, well, my way is better. I'm not listening to this. If the two owners and then they're going to, you're never going to execute the vision as it's supposed to be, right? So it's important that there's symmetry along those lines. Um, and everyone's working in the same page and, and playing nicely in the same sandbox. You know, and when I hire a staff member, uh, someone who I worked with many, many, many years ago, I've always taken this, the 49, 51, 51% is what the human being is bringing to the table from their personality, their intelligence, their communication skills, and of course their experience. The other 49% are responsible to give them those tools of what our belief systems are and what we want executed. And you marry those two, you get 100%. And so if you can get that lead person to buy in and then everyone's speaking the same language as you continue to hire the, the next key components, because you're not hiring everybody at once, you stage it, right? From a training standpoint, from a financial standpoint, you're not hiring and hiring staff six months out, right? You're not paying servers and, and support staff right. and things like that when there's nothing to do, but you will get key people in place to help execute the opening and hire accordingly. So you hire your executive chef who we're working on menu development, you hire your general manager, you know, depending on three to six months out, if you have the financial means, and then you'll hire your number twos and then get them implemented into your system and then hire down. So by the time you're hiring your, again, I call it the support staff, the servers, the front of house servers, the hosts, um, the barbacks, busboys, bartenders, you know, the line cooks, like all of those things, they're all coming in and are now being trained by what you consider your core leadership. And hopefully the voice and the communication is consistent with what you started with. Um, yeah. And in doing that process, it, 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 it can work, right? And it, you just have to be consistent. There can't be any sort of deviation from what you started with and you stay on that path. Now you've got your first that's, one open. That's and, tough to, I mean, let me ask, like, I'm curious yeah. to hear, like, you, you mentioned the 49 to 51%. Right. Because um, you, you all have experience in actually running restaurants. I know that you own your own right. restaurant. You, you have experience in operations, not just in opening and walking away. Um, right. which I, I don't, don't mean to discredit your experience cause you also have stuck with it a yeah. lot as well. Um, you have experience on both sides. So I'm curious from, from your experience of coming in and opening, um, and launching, launching something, opening up a yeah. new, uh, concept. What do you, what are those key things that you look for to make sure that, that, that those systems are in place that will, that will keep it going? That will keep it running. Well, I mean, the simple thing is from the checks and balances, everything's written down, right? So you've got points of service on paper. You've got your HR stuff in service. You, you, you've got your checklist, opening and closing checklist for each position, right? Mm. And <clears throat> and then you've got checklists throughout the day. And you, you have all these things. That there's, there's basically 
no reason that someone can't put a piece of paper in their section and know exactly what they're supposed to do from the second that they get in to the second they leave, right? And that keeps the cogs flowing appropriately. Um, so, you know, and, and you have to have faith, like that 4951, when you bring someone to the table, you're creating a family, right? You, 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 it's important that every person that comes to this, you're, it's a puzzle piece, right? You've you got the physical space, you've got the atmosphere, but then you have the other pieces of the puzzle, which is the staff and from the top to the bottom. And how do they all work, right? So you have to have um, balance in, in all aspects. So there's kind of like, a, it becomes a full support system. Now, ideally you want everyone to be strengths in their exact thing, but someone might have a great personality that has a little less experience on in their particular position, but you feel with a little bit of training, they're going to get that experience, but they have such a great personality. They have such a great, they're bringing so much great energy to the table that it's good to bring that into the mix. And then you've got your, you know, your, your experienced senior people that, you know, are, are that, you know, years and years of experience kind of, it's just, they've got the clock, they've got the steps, they do their thing and you, you balance that and it creates this perfect package. And you know, it's not idea. It doesn't work all the time, but you are creating kind of like this symmetry where everyone is there to support each other. And then of course, led by the ownership. And then of course the, 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 the upper onslaught of, of management. Um, so if you have the proper training time and you have these documentations that can be handed out and shown at any time. And as long as we stick them, it's like when you walk in as a, as a manager, you know, what are you looking for? Did the night cleaners do their job? Right. Did, is the restaurant set up? Did everyone do the side work? Are the silverware on the table? Like it's your job to know what everybody else's position is exactly supposed to be and when they're supposed to do it. And you keep on top of that. So as long yeah. as the leadership, the top three managers are doing, knowing the checks and balances are in place, if they're paying attention to it, everybody falls in line. The second that you don't, you walk in, you're not paying attention. Oh, Johnny didn't do his side work today. So-and-so has to pick it up. That starts causing the friction. And at the end yeah. of the day, my experience and again, there's never an exact amount, but a very high percentage. Most employees want a very clean, very structured, very safe place to work where they can come in, come out and make money. Right. That's it. They don't they don't necessarily they do want to create, a, you know, that work relationship or friendship. And that will happen, especially in the hospitality business, because that's what we are. Right. We're hospitable. Right. So in theory, as long as the yeah. staff's getting along and friendly, that shows to the customers. But everybody just wants, they want to walk into their lane, get their job done and leave. They don't want to be like, have to pick up someone else's slack, you know, and, and listen, people have ha things that happen in their personal lives. Um, you do your best to recognize that. And even, you know, with today's world after COVID, I think people are more conscious of mental health and, 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 and someone's focus in the day. And sometimes someone's better off not coming in because their head's not in the game and all they're going to do is bring sort of a, a sour taste and, and not do their job appropriately. And it's not just the staff that gets affected. That's ultimately the customers, which you don't want to do. So it's, it's important that leadership is always on those aspects. And if, if you have those checks and balances and they're paid to literally paid attention to eight o'clock bathroom check, eight 30, who did it? Like if you're paying attention to those little things, staff knows you're paying attention. They, they rise up. It's kind of, I use sports. I always like to use sports analogies. It's like, if you're the number one team in the league, right, and you're undefeated and you're playing the number two team in the league, you're going to prepare and you're going to come in and you're going to give the best game possible. And everyone's coming, everyone's gunning for you because you're the number one team in the league. But my experience is when you're playing the fourth, fifth or sixth place in the league and you're the number one team, you back off a little bit. Like this should be an easier game. I'm not ahead. And that's yeah. when it's, you're like, oh my God, this is really, really tough. I'm either going to lose or we're going to tie or we're just going to really win because you didn't take it seriously. So when you take every single game 
and every single detail is serious every time you enter the field or enter to the restaurant or enter to the bar it 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 just keeps things it's just real simple because it's right we're not rocket scientists we're just entered we're ultimately taking executing a vision and food and beverage and taking care of clients when they come in and all they want is is personable service they want cleanliness for sure that's probably the first thing one is cleanliness and then personal yeah, service absolutely. and at the end of the day what you in, in in our business you know we can't control quality of food that comes in one day you might get a, an order of salad that's wilted or gross or bitter you can't control that but during the tasting testing before it goes out you know you're not going to serve it that could change things but yeah. if a bad meal happens to come out of the kitchen someone asks for a piece of meat medium well and it comes in medium rare you can fix that problem by the server being on it friendly apologetic and just feel the plight of the customer if the if the food comes out perfectly and the staff isn't being attentive to the customer it doesn't matter how perfect the food is ultimately the server is the one that's causing the ill experience do you follow what i'm saying so it's all those little yeah. checks and balances and they they all kind of go against each other or with each other or against each other but if we pay attention to the checks and balances the do's and don'ts and management is on the floor their heads on a swivel they're paying attention to all the people not just the customers but their staff who's doing what are they in a good mood and you know checking in and when you show presence and you show att attention to detail, everybody else raises their game and it becomes a very easy, smooth operation to run. And you as yeah. a united front can deal with unruly customers, right? Or, oh my God, the bathroom got clogged. What are we going to do? Okay, well, everything else is in place. What do we do? All right, we'll send a, an attendant. They'll sit outside the woman's room. We'll just monitor, whatever it might be. There's always things you can do. If everything else is in place, little things that pop up, which they always do, can be addressed accordingly and easily because everything else is where it's supposed to be. Does that make sense? It does. It doesn't yeah. answer your and question. I, <laughs> I, I have a, another another question for you on the manager. I yeah, because I mean installing those checklists for like support staff and frontline employees, like it makes sense because it's sort of like, right. hey, here's the thing you need to do. Um, for the manager, it's kind of it's kind of a different story, right? Like making sure that that a manager is is in place that will carry out a vision and will be successful and will keep it going. Right. Actually, okay, right. actually quick aside, I have, a, I have a story I want to tell you because you said yeah, something about, you said this isn't rocket science. I, I right. worked at a bar once and had a bar manager who was like typical bad bar manager. He was like the stereotype of a bad bar manager who like, it, he, he couldn't teach. He could only chastise. It felt like. Right. And right. You know, one time he, we were doing a shift meeting and he was showing us how to, uh, he was saying he wanted everything in the in the dining room to be uniform. Understandably, right. he wanted the salt right. pepper shakers right. the same, the the the, right. the sugar is the same. And he said, "Guys, this isn't rocket surgery." <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. He said earlier, "It's not rocket science," and right. that became right. like the thing that we said for like the next year. And that guy eventually got right. fired for like doing cocaine that, or something. But like, right. yeah. but, but but I always think about. It. But anyways, so so if you have a if you have a bar manager, if you have a manager of a restaurant, uh, a general manager. What do they need from the get-go to be successful well, beyond right, just a so, checklist? Yeah, so forgetting the checklist, obviously, they need to have experience. Like when you sit down and interview them, you're, you're asking them questions, you know, <clears throat> their day-to-day. It's like what have, they, what have they done in their previous jobs? You obviously have a resume and you're going to ask questions. Explain to me what your opening look like, what your opening day looked like on a Monday or Tuesday. And just ask them what their routines look like regularly because then that will give you a better idea of how organized and structured they were. Because, you know, as a general manager – You've got bank runs. How often a week is that happening, right? Is it is um, the I forget the you know 
which we call coming in in uniform to collect the bags of drops or someone running somewhere with yeah. security guard to do their thing. So right. you ask those questions and then you ask the questions like, how did you deal with an unruly customer? It's explain to me that kind of situation. What are your best experience with a customer or, or what happens if the staff doesn't do this? And you ask them and see how they respond and how quick they respond. Um, and if their answers are obviously accurate, um, you know, so, but what I would do is, you know, so when I get hired, what I do is I have at the end of the day, <clears throat> whether you're at, a chain restaurant or you're at a little bit of a higher end restaurant, the basics are almost the same, right? We're buying food, we're cooking food, we're making drinks. Now the quality of the stuff might be different. The presentations might be different, but the basis, the roots of what a restaurant is, is, is similar and no matter what you're doing. Um, and so our checklists are things like that. We kind of know what a barbacks bus checklist is roughly going to look like. And you tweak it for the, each location because the ice machine might be in a different place or things might be set up differently. So you do that. But what I would do is I would have my basic and then I would sit with the general manager. I would sit with the bar managers. Okay, let's go through yeah. these side worksheets. I want you to pretend you're this preservation, take this list and tell me what's missing or what needs to be added or what should be removed. And that gets them to own it. Right. So it's not like I'm handing it to them and say regurgitate. I'm making them part of the process. That proves to me they know what they're doing. Right. Okay. Because I'll walk through it and say, okay, explain it to me. Like, give me the list. I'm going to go do, I'm going to go open as this position now based on what you just did. And I'm going to follow it to a T. Did it work? Yeah. I don't know. I remember in third grade, uh, I had a teacher, Miss Ellsworth, that gave us a class project. And um, there were two things that were funny. One was an April Fool's joke, which was she gave us a test, right, three or four pages long. And it said the first sentence of – it said read the instructions and then go. And it said make sure you read through the entire test before you do anything kind of thing. And we all went through and we raced to see who got done first and we handed it in. And she goes, you all failed. The first line said read through the entire test before you do anything. And we the men read – and the last question was April Fool's, glad you didn't do anything, right? So the point was – read the details. And the second thing she had us yeah. do is create a project where you had to bring something in to present to your classmates with detailed instructions on how to execute what you wanted them to do. And everyone yeah. failed because you assume they're going to, oh, you should know that. Like take the bread out of the bag. Well, did you tell them to undo the tie? Right, right. Well, no, but who doesn't know that? It's not the point. It's a, you, it's a detailed and it, it's better to be more detailed than less. Right. Yeah. Because you can't assume every single person is going to know what you know. And, and so the point is be thorough, be detailed, but bring them through that process. So they own these checklists, they own it and they're part of it. So they, that's part of the cycle of creating the, the symmetry and the consistency. So now they, it's not like me just handing them saying, go make this happen. It's like, okay, yeah. you've made this happen with my guidance. Now you own it. So now there's no excuses that it's not being done. Cause you know what it is. Do you yeah, know what I'm saying? Empowering them, and bringing them to the process. That's the key. You have to empower. You have to give them the tools, but they have to feel like they're part of it, right? And so, where this flips and starts to get crazy is like new management comes in. They have they can own it because it already exists. However, yeah. part of my process, I'm like, you, if you're going to hire a new manager, they should spend a time in each position. They should go into the kitchen and spend each position in the kitchen half a day, whatever it might be. They need to know the plight of every single person in that restaurant and what they're going through and what it feels like. Because again, yeah. a line cook in this restaurant is not the same energy as a line cook in another restaurant, but they need to feel it. And that does two things. One, it makes them sympathetic and understanding of every role position in the restaurant. Two, it makes them accountable because they now know what each role is going through and what details are needed to be in that position. <clears throat> Number three, the staff will respect you a lot more. 
There's nothing like you come in and you're sitting on a pedestal because you've been hired for a certain position. You're better than everyone. We all work together. No one person is more important than the other. Now, yes, yeah. leaders have to lead. But if a leader is there and staff's constantly calling in because they're sick or they don't want to be there because they don't like this manager, well, that person can't lead because now they've got to find someone to fill that position and or find ways to fill that position in that shift. And so everything gets adjusted. So if there's respect all the way up and all the way down and everyone understands these checklists and balances, it's just the ball keeps on rolling. Everyone just wants a simple job. They want to come in and, and life to be as simple as possible. And there wants to be consistency. There wants to be accountability. That is the key thing. So if someone is slacking off, it's your responsibility as a leader to say, okay, well, I watched this today. You know, what's happening? This is our verbal warning. Let's, you know, blah, 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 blah. do you have the tools you need? Because nine times out of 10, yeah. it's not having the tools they need. Great. Here's the tools. This happens again. We've got to write you up. It happens again. There's going to be further disciplinary action. But accountability from an owner, from the management down, that's how people stay in place and, and, and love this. The, it's kind of like children. They love schedule and they love details. And they love structured discipline at the end of the day because yeah. it makes them feel safe. And everybody wants yeah. to feel safe. That's it. And if you can get everyone to buy in and every manager – listen, I've had, have you had duds that look great on paper then all of a sudden they get into the weeds and you're like, oh, my God, they can't handle pressure? 1,000%. And you, sometimes you don't know that until the crap hits the fan, right? Yeah. Um, but hopefully there's not the, there's enough support around that that can come in and maybe this position, this person has to go and we find someone new. But if everything else is structured, that's my point about there being, oh my God, there's this issue, but it's enough support underneath that to, for things not to shatter at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and I love the idea that like the tool helps bring a little bit of safety and even in that accountability too, because when a manager doesn't have to say, well, I, you know, you're not doing, you're doing it wrong. Or the manager doesn't have to come down on somebody to be like, Hey, we have this tool. And it's, it's right. right here in front of us and they can, right. they can use the tool as a way to facilitate like a, a meaningful conversation or to support the staff right. actually right. Um, and right. not have to be the bad guy, but it's like, Hey, it's the tool. Um, right. And that's good. And now with the ownership side, if the ownership is not actually management or doing like that and they're just being owners, they have to have faith and trust in their management to do their thing, but they also have to stay connected. They need to go in every once in a while and just check in, say hi. And it, the idea is if they think something is askew or slightly off, it's not the ownership's responsibility to go talk to the hostess or the bartender to fix it. They go to the GM and they say, listen, I saw I saw this. Is this right? Okay, no, I'll keep it. I'll go check it out. Because if all of a sudden you start having other people point out issues and trying to fix them, nothing's being fixed, right? It's just the owner t going around and the management's not aware of it. And so they actually really can't help fix the problem as it is. So the management, the ownership needs to stay connected and related, connected to the staff by saying hello and dining or drinking there and doing their things and being respectful of the rules. That's the other thing as an owner. If you've got certain protocols and rules set up and standards, abide by them when you're there. Yeah. Because that's yeah, how the right. beliefs stay in place. Now, if you're going to come in and all that goes out the window and you're partying and you're causing trouble and you're raising your voices and you're doing, you're, you're doing things that you don't want your guests to do. Well, the guests see that and that looks weird. And then your staff's like, well, why can you do it? And my friend Susie or Bobby can't, you know, it's, you, you've got to stick with your philosophies and your standards and it's got to be consistent. That's how you want a successful place. If you just want a willy nilly one location, have fun with it. It is what it is. Great. Right. But if you have the idea, this is one of many, you've, you've got to believe in the system. You've got to, you've got to be part of the system as well and sit down with your GM once a week 
ask how's it going, what's going on, what can I help you with? Once a month P and Ls, go over the profit and loss statements. You know, make the GM and the staff aware of where the mistakes are so they can fix them. That your percentage of food and beverage are in a place that labor is in the right place. And obviously, labor is your biggest. It's your biggest cost in running an establishment. Um, yeah. You know, but you know, being part of that and including them in those conversations makes the the more they can absorb and be part of everybody. Again, the more inclusivity, the more structure, the more accountability, and to me, it's always a smoother road. And, and if you keep information from your management because of what you're just feeling insecure about it, certain things you don't discuss with them, obviously, loans and things along those lines of how it's being structured. But when it comes to the, the, the purchasing and things of like that, you know, it's an order you can't run if you can't run through super crazy expenses through a, a restaurant and expect the P&L to be in line. Like, yeah. don't go out and buy a hundred thousand dollar car and the lease is going through and then you get this like it's you know what i'm saying if you want to make money that's not how that works right you, you've yeah. got to run a business like a business and if you're running like a piggy bank management will know that and, and understand what the structure looks like and choose whether to be there or not be there and that you know so it's those are the consistencies and those are the the things that i look for when i'm like okay that make you you're right this is going to work i love the vision and this is scalable three four of them down the road or whatever it wants to look like so you got one done yeah it's running smoothly six, eight, nine months. You're feeling pretty good about it. You know, at that point, you're like, okay, nine months, everything's in place. I'm feeling really, really good. It's got success. You know, usually you can find financial success in that short period of time, but usually you're paying off loans or things like that. It takes a little time to start accruing and making money. But, you know, if, if things are running smoothly, do I think in nine months you can start looking for place number two and knowing that's going to take you six or eight months to build it out and get it going? That gives you a year and a half to get this one completely lo- like locked and loaded and get the, and then roll the next one for sure. Um, trying to do it too quickly, if you're not a franchise or, or, or a cookie cutter chain, it's really hard to do because each location will affect the overall atmosphere and functionality of your business. You know, yeah. not, you know, when you look at these chains, what are, what's consistent with them? It's the same square footage. It's the exact same layout. Like, there's no sort of variance. Like, we need 10,000 square feet. This is how the back of house is carved up. There's the front of house carved up. There's a science right. to it so that they can just do it. And there's no it, – it's so easy to replicate and do. But that's usually not happening in a situation where you're running a mom-and-pop brick and mortar because you just don't have that ability to get that perfect space. You're always looking for, you know, a good location. And a good location yeah. might not have the perfect space. And then you're, okay, well, my kitchen, I'm running out of back house space, like, you know, so forth and so on. So, you know, you want to you wanna give yourself time to, to get the first one really comfortable. Um, you know, and there's, there is no specific timeline. I always, like, give yourself a year, year and a half, maybe two. Just really get it in there and understand, you know, your customer, right? And understand that aspect of it. And then you can start looking at number two. And, and by that point, your team hopefully is still in place and they can assist yeah. you at looking at the new location. There's the accountability and, and, and ownership aspect of it. Oh, I Amazing. see this. The kitchen feels good. The, the kitchen manager is like, or the kitchen executive is just like, oh, I, this, this, this space works. This, you know, I, we need, might need two new pieces of equipment, whatever it might be. And then, you know, you just, and then that way as an owner, it feels okay. My team feels good about this. I love the location. The rent is good. The location is brilliant. You know, um, let's go lock, lock and load number two and start that rolling. And you have to repeat that same process. And you want to repeat that same yeah. process by one of two things can happen. Um, you utilize the team that you have to help implement 
the same programming into the second location. Maybe the, the director rolls in and oversees both or rolls into the new one. The second manager rolls up and you just, now you're creating a dual team. But the idea is you want to kind of continuously work within because it, again, assuming everyone's there, it just creates a better unity, better strength and controls your vision rather than trying to bring too many new leaders in and trying to replicate that with all new leadership. That's always hard to do. Trying to, especially when you're running one and trying to, replicate the same thing with all brand new people that's a very challenging thing to do you want to be able to utilize your existing staff and you could bring the lead bartender over and they can work a couple shifts you know what i'm saying so all of a sudden now you just basically and then hire a few new people that's not going to disrupt too much to this and you've got the ability to have people that are within your brand within the experience working in the new location and ultimately there there's symmetry there and you you don't dilute one to make another one work you just cherry pick a couple pieces so that there's stability in both and then, you know, get the, and follow the same set standards and same rules, same the way the opening open, do the new one. Always yeah. give you enough self enough time for training. You know, that's always the most challenging parts of my experience. There's two things I always experience. Money always becomes in play because you never think you, you never have enough. Right. And yeah. you need to have enough, not just to build out and get open, but to run for six months, to pay your labor, to pay your rents and do all those things. Cause you know, you need to build up your cash flow. Number two is, um, uh, back of house space. There's always seems to be, you know, you don't make money in storage. However, yeah. you need to have functionality in back of house. That's really, really important to have proper organization structure. Where everything goes so that it's easy to get to and staff feels safe. And the other thing is training, knowing that you need to have enough time, I know you ran late on construction. There was delays on the permits. You want to get the doors open. But if your team doesn't feel safe and comfortable and ready to go, it's actually more detrimental in the long run than waiting another few days and get the training in and then open. Swallow the pill. You know, I always like to say it's what, what costs you 10 cents today is going to cost you $10 tomorrow. Spend the 10 cents today. Right. Because the worst thing happens is you get a whole staff in and trained and you've rushed it and it's uncomfortable. You didn't do it like the first one. People will leave. If they don't feel safe and comfortable, it doesn't feel like a fun environment. They're going to walk away. And now you're in trouble because now you got to replace your staff and start training all over again while you're still serving customers. And that's when the disconnect and everything starts to break down. Allow yourself enough time. Have faith in the training process and the build-up process and all of those things. Give yourself those flexibility and window. And that's where the cash flow comes in. All right, so it's only a couple of days. Is it really a big deal? Try not to open yeah. on weekends. I mean, you don't want to open on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday night. Give yourself the Monday and Tuesday. Right. It's a slow day invite people in let the st- just let everything kind of work do its thing in, in the live motion don't overburden your staff at that and then once you get number two i hate to say not three is easy but it really starts to become a lot easier your purchasing yeah. power gets easier you've got a larger staff that you can pull from you've got more cash flow coming through there's a lot more stability going into number three and it just becomes a little bit easier rolling out and the only other suggestion i have with rolling things out which i always tell everyone stay in your own backyard meaning don't have a property here in la and think you're going to open one in new york and it's going to be easy you have no staff there you've got no relationships there and it's going by coast is very difficult so if you open somewhere in uh west hollywood could you end up in like a Santa Monica for your number two? Perfect. You're in the same town, different right. zip codes. And in, you know, LA, it's so spread out, but it's it's manageable. Once you start having to get in a car and travel for hours and get in a plane, that's a whole other type of expansion. And you need to be, yeah. you need to have a proper infrastructure for that because you can't pay attention to both coasts. And I know this because I tra- I've opened up, you know, with one company, we had, we were the largest nightlife company in the world. We had 45 bars and restaurants around the world. And we started simple. There was New York, um, 
Miami, and then there was LA, and then we went back to New York, went back to New York, then we hit Chicago. So at that time, we had some infrastructure, you know, and we had, they had some experience in, in opening things, so it made it easier. And as we continued to grow, then you got four or five locations in New York, and we had some in Chicago. Great. Can we have a regional manager in New York that could pop in now every once in a while to Chicago to check on it and be around there and help support because you have the infrastructure to do that? A, it makes that manager feel like a superstar that they're part of the corporate team and they're traveling now for us. And it's just, that's how you build, build up, you know, um, you build the leadership, but you also build um, accountability and you, you build loyalty, right? That's the big thing is you yeah. want to create that loyalty and make people feel like oh, I'm part of this ownership. I'm part of this structure and I'm, I'm helping them grow. And that feels really good. And most people want to learn at the end of the day, you know, there's very few restaurants that, some of the hopper arms, the larger big name chefs, yes, you're in there for life and you've got yourself into next level kind of, but most mom and pops, it's you, the managers you have aren't for life, right? Yeah. They're, they're a short term person. That person, what are they looking to do? They're looking to get more experience, whether they want to open their own place or they want to go on to this next level, run a hotel or do something, food and beverage in a, in a hotel development or something along those lines. They want to get experience. They want to make money and they want to do that social thing. Um, you know, that's kind of where most of that that is. So the more you can make them feel like they own and help them grow, great. And the and, and trust me, the better they feel, the longer they'll stay. Yeah, I love that, and so, I love just that just that model or that idea of like going from one to two to three, and just that insight of like, yeah. you know, how can an owner like build up the one and then have the the foresight and the wisdom. Uh, to, to know what to do at number two, but then I, even like you're saying, like to get to number three, like once you do two, three might, might be kind of easy. That's kind of like having kids, kids or dogs. It's like, you have one, you get through it, you figure it out. Adding a second isn't really a big deal. And by three, you're like, I'm so numb and confused. The third one, we're good. Right. So it's <laughs> kind of that great. mentality and ownership might go into it and say, listen, I didn't vision go. I just want to have one. And yeah. they might go in and become such a success. And they're like, wow, this actually feels pretty good. We can go do number two. Let's go do a second one. Right. And maybe it's not even the same concept. Maybe it's a slut. Maybe they went from an Italian cuisine and they went to a fr I'm joking around, went to a French cuisine, but sure. the, the premise is the same, but the chef can change the menu. And now it's slightly two different things. You know, you don't need to be the same thing. And I've been through Italian restaurants. Um, there's three of them now here in LA, very three distinctly different restaurants. Right. But there's a lot of core regularities in regards to the menu and the service quality and things like that. But each location has its special dishes. Right, that only yeah. you can get at that location. So it does feel special and feels unique, but the atmospheres are very different. But you know you're within this establishment's umbrella because 70%, 80% of the menu's exactly the same and the yeah. atmospheres feel the same, but it does feel slightly different. So you feel like, oh, I can go to this one, I can go to this one. And it's, you know, it feels different, but it's the same, it's comfortable, so forth and so on. So there's ways of doing yeah. expansion where you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Maybe you don't replicate. Again, when you replicate exactly the same thing, that's great. Um, you know, and that can be doable if the product is right and successful and you, you're picking the right neighborhoods. Because again, in LA, it's so far spread apart. You, you might live in Echo Park. You're not going to Venice for dinner on a regular basis. So it's right. nice to have two locations and then you're, you're hitting two entirely different clientels in two different areas that aren't um, cannibalizing each other at the end of the day. You know what I mean? I do. Well, Mark, thanks for, thanks for chatting with me and thanks for sharing your, uh, your hospitality wisdom uh, with us. I, I appreciate My it. My pleasure. Um, and where can people find you? Um, well, it's funny. So you can find me at uh, the 
dmbgroup.com. Um, and it's Dees and David, Emmons, Mark, B and Brian, group.com. And I've also just started collaborating with um, Jay Coulter, an old friend of mine, at onsethospitality.com. So you can okay. find me at either of those sites and everything else. And all the information you need to contact me is there. But it's been a pleasure today, Matt. Thank you. Hopefully my information and insights were valuable and clear and yeah. precise. Um, I love this business. Um, we've obviously been through the ringer like everybody else. And we're really coming around as an industry. Um, I think we're finally getting back to some normalcy from from after all of this pandemic stuff. And that's from, you know, yeah. food prices coming regular and, and staffing becoming more comfortable in a social environment, because that's the biggest aspect. We were removed from the social environment for two years. And that does make a big difference mentally uh, for a lot yeah. of people. Um, and so it's, it's nice to see things back, but um, I'm very glad to do this. It's a pleasure to meet you. Yeah. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. Goodbye.